Hello and welcome to Real Bible Stories. Join us as we deep dive into the historical, religious, cultural, political, and emotional context surrounding the real lives of real people in the Bible and the stories we've all grown to love. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us this week for Real Bible Stories. I'm your host, Imran Ward. This is my wife, Selena. Hey. And our teacher, Ryan Brown. What's going on? So this episode is going to be a little bit unique. We actually want to clarify something that I said in one of our earlier episodes. So if you listened, and I know you listened to every single episode up to this point because you're an avid subscriber to us. Uh, But if you go back and check out Creation Week Part 2, I made a comment in there kind of equivocating um, all of the different Abrionic faiths and saying that they all uh, fundamentally have the same... Um, or they arc back to the same um, structure and that we all worship the same God in the same uh, way. And so I'm going to play that clip for you real quick so you understand uh, exactly where I'm coming from. That's, you know, it's, that's what I when, I, when I said earlier that like big three religions, uh, modern Christianity, Catholics, Christians, all the Protestant faiths, um, the Jews and the, and, and the Muslims are all based within the the abrionic religion like mm-hmm. that promise that god made to abraham is the foundation by which everything flows from and it's like there's so much difference in a lot of ways in how we interpret the ultimate end of the scripture but when you pull the strings back it's like we're we're worshiping the same god okay so i'm sure you see what i was talking about what we want to do today is just clarify a little bit of what i meant uh, so Ryan brought it up to me. It's like, okay, what you said is is going in the right direction, but it could be confusing to some uh, audiences that don't really fully understand uh, the history behind these three different faiths. So I'm going to toss it over to Ryan to give us a little bit of an overview of these different faiths and what we're going to talk about uh, as we just kind of have a conversation about clarifying that. Doing this stuff is hard. This isn't um, often, I think, for anybody who's in any sort of a world of communication is sometimes things are said um, and, and what is communicated is different than what was intended. Right. Um, I know that happens with me a lot. Like this is, I think, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of those honest mistakes that, um, that occur, but yeah, I think any, but, any public speaker. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't. Um, and, and what we just want to do here is to make sure that what is communicated is that, um, that we are doctrinally sound and, um, sometimes that just means that, hey, let's let's go back and address that. But but I think with this one in particular, um, which is why we're committing a whole episode to it, is that um, it really actually raises one. It, it actually well, one, it it belongs to kind of a modern debate right now, um, at least within academia, that there's actually been a lot of controversy around. So this kind of absorbs a little bit of that, but it also. You know, in the context of Genesis uh, 1, what we were talking about is really how um, God is using the, the presuppositions of, of belief um, coming out of a culture and what they believed about things and, and gods mm-hmm. and, and how he used that to communicate and correct, um, you know, misguided or misunderstood belief and, and trying to reveal something new, and, and right? Yeah, definitely. And, and we talked a lot about how that was in the context of then, right? The original audience, the original um, group coming out of Egypt and how 
God, you know, is setting himself apart from all the Egyptian gods. But what we didn't really talk about and what this question really raises, well, yeah. what about modern? How does God, how is God unique and yeah, separate different? and distinct himself from... Right, from from modern belief in God, gods, and in particular, um, the monotheistic, um, you know, worldviews that, that they are monotheistic, so they, they don't hold to the polytheism, but but are, then are we... Are we worshiping the same God because Jews, Muslims, and and Christians all anchor it or trace it back to Abraham, right? Yeah. So, but, so but I even want to give a little bit more context too. Like, like part of the reason Selena and I um, brought that point up is that I remember learning that in like world religion in high school and in college, is that they they did make the uh, connection that because all these faiths derive mm-hmm. from like the Abrahamic promise. Or the promise that was given to Abraham by, uh, by God, that we are all worshiping the same God. It is all the same kind of fundamental structure, and I just never, nothing ever challenged it, so I never really thought too far well, into yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's that was, the way that's, I learned it too. Yeah, that's your pre- presupposition too, right? Because we yeah. all have those, right? There's there's things that like we are just kind of we're taught even so early on that you just kind of accept it, and you move on, and you just assume, right? And that happens with a lot of things, right? That's yeah. that's. And when you start talking about the realm of theology, that happened. You, you'll see that happen a lot, where you almost like your, your presupposition of what was taught that you just thought everybody. Like I had this with a um, um, a, a theology growing up that I was taught about um, the last things, the end times, the mm. um, second coming of Christ, and what that looks like. And um, we don't have to get into all that, but but the truth is, is that what I was taught um, growing up, I just thought that was it. That was truth. That was what yeah, everybody nothing believed. had ever been put in front of you to right. challenge it. So you never even thought to, to challenge, to to, challenge to, it. To even right? think yeah. about it. Right. And, and yeah. then you start actually either you get challenged or it's, it's, you, you see a different view and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. So, so there's other things out there. So and a paradigm shift, I think is what. Right. There is. A, and, and you would have, um, like for me, I almost felt even a sense of betrayal in, in some regards of the fact that I was told for so long, this is what it is. And it's not necessarily that. And then I started studying and I'm like, actually, I think it's not that at all, mm-hmm. you know, um, which has also though led to me to go around, I don't want to say challenge, but be skeptical of a lot of the other things. I'm like, hey, I need to really dig in and study this on my own. And make it my own. Yeah, which is good in, in everything in terms of academia and, and intelligent thought and debate. Uh, it should come from that the research you do, not just uh, blindly trusting the research someone else did, but you taking some time out and actually like confirming what you believe to be true. Which is what really. Well, I, I would use what uh, I think. Who was it? Was it Ronald Reagan who said it? He said uh, when talking about the dealing with the Soviet Union, it says trust but verify. Yeah, I mean, it's still you know, pervasive uh, thought in the Marine Corps. Trust but yeah. verify. You know, so you, you, you know, you you hear the witness and testimony of people, and um, it's not that you necessarily don't trust what your parents and, and what they bear testimony to, because that's a big fundamental piece. But you also got to verify for yourself. Like it can't just be, mm-hmm. um, this is what I was told, and that's what the truth is. And like, well you have to wrestle with it for it to really kind of take root in your heart, you know, but you know, can I just say one last thing before we really dive into that? I think culturally what we are doing is good and healthy and something that culture has lost a lot of, which is this, is that 
the second you make a mistake or the second um, you may say something that, um, you know, well, I'm not, we'll just say that it's wrong. We'll just say it's right. Mm -hmm. It's, this this is wrong. Um, Culturally, what everybody does now is, you know, cancel it. Yeah, I love they it. disregard everything yep. you've ever said. Yep. Cancel uh, them. Two plus two um, is now five. Like, you are at, you have clear. no room for grace, no room for error, no room for, um, you know what I mean? That we we're even at a place culturally where you don't even have room to be allowed for to grow. Well, well, to grow mm-hmm. as a person, but also like yeah, discussion, right? Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is actually very, I think, countercultural in the sense where we're not saying. Oh, we, we said we made one mistake. Let's end it, right? What we're mm-hmm. actually saying is, hey, well, let's bring it in and talk about it, you know? Um, and Because and, this isn't an easy issue either. Um, this no. this is a very deep um, theological issue, which is this. How do you define God? And to, to, to make a claim, um, and I don't mean you, I mean, I mean, because this is a modern debate. Yeah, um, I mean, there like was a I said, it's something I had learned in... School. Where you were told, but well, there's things like just recently a um I want to say it was Wheaton College maybe, but one of their um one of their uh, professors of, of um I'm I'm not sure if it was like seminary or if it was mm-hmm. like a professor of theology I, I don't mm-hmm. I, I don't know exact uh, precisely but um something relevant to it but they they had made a statement pretty much saying that Jews Christians and Muslims worship the same God. And then the the school came in and put them on administrative leave, right? Wow. Um, so this oh, so like they a, must have been an instructor then to put them. Yes, it, it it was enough for them to to say you can't be teaching this um, until we sort this out. So so that the thing is, is if you make a claim that we worship the same God, then behind that you then have to define well, how do you define God, and particularly our God. And how does that definition wrap up underneath the definition of Islam and, you know, the other competing worldviews, right? Mm-hmm. So what I just kind of want to do is really just approach this through a few different lenses of, because you're going to see the differences. And I think you're going to see that, I mean, there are a lot of commonalities. Like I, I've spent a lot of time in the Middle East, um, in the Marine Corps. I mean, multiple deployments to Iraq as well as Afghanistan. I was embedded with the Afghan National Army, where they, where every Thursday, the night before Juma, I would actually sit down with. Um, what what is Juma? Juma is like the Sabbath for for Muslims. Oh, okay, and it's on Friday. Um, but that Thursday night, I would sit down with their mullah, and and this was like, you know, I'm living with him, I'm sleeping with him. I'm, I'm, what, well, what's a mullah? A mullah is like their pastor. Oh, okay. Okay. Um. So with that, they would. Um, we would meet every Thursday night and he wanted to teach me about Islam because he's really trying to get me, trying to convert me mm-hmm. to, to Islam. And I was like, and I said, his name was Omar. And if you That's look at cool. his, uh, <laughs> I'd have to show you a picture someday, but he, I mean, he looked like Taliban, like just straight up, but, <laughs> you know, but he wasn't, you know, he, he was, um, but you know, he, he very religious, very devout. And, um, I told him, I was like, Omar, that's fine. I'd love to do that. I was like, on one condition, though, you allow me the same respect and freedom to share with you my faith. He said, okay, right? So, of course, we're trying to convert each other, you know. There's a really cool story with this, by the oh, way. Um, I, I, we can't get into it now. Well, maybe. Maybe towards the end if I have time. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that. But the point is, is I spent a lot of time in the Middle East and, and, and a lot of time with, with uh, you know, Muslims and um, 
anything that is said today is not intended to be in any sort of way a, um, you know, a hostile um, spirit towards them. Um, but there are many differences and very key um, differences in how we understand um, God and how he reveals himself and what he's revealed about himself and what his expectations are and what the mission, overall mission of, of God is and our purpose and relationship to that mission, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so th- there's a lot of common stories, though. I mean, I, um, for one, Islam teaches that, um, and this kind of goes into, I guess we could say the first piece here, which is how do Muslims and Christians um, differ or how do they view the revelation of God? Okay. So, so I'm sorry, go ahead. I was, I was going to, so in my preparation for this, cause I, once you brought it up to me, like, Hey, we need to do this. I was like, Oh, I'm going to do a little bit of research. Um, just, just seeing how they trace like their genealogy back to Abraham is, is, is a little bit different because the Muslims, as I understand it, trace it back to Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Like he's the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham, whereas the Jews chase it back to um, Isaac, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. And, and if you, so what's interesting is if you read... Um, Which this, are both sons of Abraham. They are both right. sons of Abraham, but, but remember who's first. I think Ishmael was Ishmael, was right? First. So yeah. culturally, and this is even noted in our own, in our Bible, which is Ishmael's first in that culture... You're the the firstborn son. You get the inheritance. You have mm-hmm. the firstborn blessing. Mm. Um. So what Muslims would argue, they're like, well, he was the firstborn. He receives the blessing of Abraham. So it's through Ishmael that um, that line the promise comes. will be fulfilled. And right. Around. But if you remember that story, Ishmael was a yes, he was a son of Abraham, but with who? The servant. Right. It wasn't with his wife. Yeah. There you are, right? And that was because after God had promised Abraham um, that I'm going to give you children that are, he looks up at the stars and it's going to be innumerable amount mm-hmm. of, of descendants come from you. Well, his, his his wife is really old, Sarah. And she's like, I'm way too old to do that. So sleep with the servant girl. And Abraham obliged, right? And he goes and he sleeps with her and they produce Ishmael. Um, but that's not what God told him. God, he said, I'm going to give you descendants and that's going to be through your marriage. See, he lacked the faith to believe that God could still do it just because of Sarah's old Sarah's age. age. Yeah. So, um, then him and Sarah have a, a child named Isaac. So God says, I will bless Ishmael, but my covenant will be through Isaac. Mm. Right. So, where where we split off splinter there is that Muslims believe that promise in essentially covenant, if you will, even though they don't really believe in covenant, and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But okay, um, they follow Ishmael because they're not really covenant based, and we'll talk more about that in a second. Okay, um, but but that 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 is a combat. What Islam teaches, though, um, in terms of revelation. Um, or I guess you could say, not necessarily revelation, but authority is that um, the Torah was Allah's first revelation. The gospel was Allah's second revelation. The Quran is Allah's third revelation. And the reason you had the necessity for the Quran um, is that 
they believed that um, the Torah and the Gospels had been corrupted. So you had to give them the Quran to correct it all. And it's actually mm. very similar, by the way, to um, the way Mormons view the Book of Mormon. The mm. same thing, that the, the church had gotten so but corrupted. The, the, wasn't the Book of Mormon, like, written in America? Like, wasn't that? Well, it was, yeah. I'm just saying it's similar in the sense that, because um, Mormons believe that the church got so corrupted that it had to be restored. So yeah, a revelation, was a revelation to, given to Joseph Smith, who meant to restore. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like golden tablets or something. Mm-hmm. There was a lot with the Mormon faith that's super interesting. And I think if you look 18, into the history of that. 1836. Yeah, it wasn't that long America. ago. Um, well, not, but, not that long ago. But, but the idea, though, and, and what you'll see between both of those is that there was a new re- revelation that God gave because the previous revelations had been corrupted so that he needed a correction and that all came through one person. Okay. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about more about that here in a second, but that's, that's kind of a, a key point. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but to that point though, is that, um, many of our stories are the same. Um, you know, they believe in, it's not Adam and Eve, it's Adam and Heloa. Um, you got, of course, uh, Moses, they, they you know, familiar with all those stories, um, with the Hebrews, you know, they, they're, they even um, how, how aligned are they with Torah though? Because I understand after Torah, it's um, it's more just like the history of the Jews until we get to um, to Jesus's life. So that, but still, the Torah is like how how aligned are they with that? Because Ishmael is a separate descendant, but Moses would be a descendant of um, no. There's of here, Isaac, there's right? no same descendants. Um, so how does that how does that break out though? Well, remember they think that it got corrupted, so that the Jews ah. got it and they corrupted it. So when 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 they're looking at historically back, they're not. It's not like the, the whole animosity between Muslims and Jews is really because they believe Jews corrupted the revelation of God, to which that they mm. were in their part of that that truer revelation. The same with Christianity, which is, um, they believe. And I say this term loosely. Believe the gospels. Okay, I just very loosely I use that term, and we'll 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 get more into it. More yeah. into that, okay. but but they accept the gospels as a revelation of Allah that the the church then corrupted. Okay, but um, the thing though about what Islam really in, in terms of, and this is why it's so important because we as believers anchor on the fact that God has reveals things to us. In fact, in um, Isaiah 43, 7, he says that the point um, that we were created was to give God glory and not just to give him glory, but to so that God himself could make himself known. Okay. okay so one of the biggest things that, that we believe that, that believers and, and Jews believe is that one of the primary purpose that we were, were created was to... Um, for God to be known and for us to then respond in worship, right? That God was meant to be known. And this, you're, so you were saying this, that that's, that's a consistent belief between the two? No, Islam, that... Islam does not believe that. Oh, okay. Um, Islam believes that Allah has revealed things, but um, it's a, what, what Allah, and by the way, Allah is the Arabic term for God. Um, it, okay. it actually sh- shares a lot. If you, um, like in Genesis one, for example, Elohim um, is the um, plural 
the like generic name for God, um, mm-hmm. where um, Yahweh is the covenant name, right? He he gives that name when he's in covenant, but Elohim or El, um, the El, the Almighty, the powers, um, is where they get Allah, Allah. Uh, you see, okay. so it's it's a like Arabic Christians call God Allah, mm-hmm. right? Because that's just just the same way our English we say God. You see, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, but besides the point, Muslims, um, they believe that God, that Allah reveals his will to people. And it's when he reveals his will, it is our job to be submissive to that will. Okay, so it's it's not that we disagree with that, but that's the only revelation they believe Allah gives. Where where we are fundamentally different in term, in that regard is we believe that not God just doesn't reveal his will to us, but he reveals who he is. He reveals his character to us. He reveals his purpose to us. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, he he, he rev- like one of the and we talked about this before, but at the the burning bush, um, he says, you know, who who should Moses asks, who should I say sent me? He says, I am that I am. Because mm-hmm. if if for example, um, God had said, well, you tell them I am love sent you. Well, he could very well, well, what is love? Mm-hmm. Where God would say, I am. I am that I am. Mm. Um, he could say, I am justice sent you. Well, what is justice? I am justice. I am that I am. Um, but he doesn't fill that in there because um, if he were to say, "For I am love sent you, Moses could have equated his perverted or distorted view of what love is and applied that to the character of God. So when yeah. God says, I am that I am, I can't tell you who I am. I have to show you who I am. Because you can't grasp it without seeing it. You will without per- being in, in your sin, you will pervert it. Mm. So I'm not going to tell you what my character is. I'm going to show you and, what my and character even is. Even after he shows the Jews his character, they still pervert it. They still try and like make God work for them. And you see that over and over in the Old Testament. And even in how some of the um, actions are carried out against um, Jesus, like they are, they want God to do things a certain way, the way they think it should work, not try to align themselves with the way God's revealed Himself. Right, and, and so, so, so the idea though is that um, I just want to make sure we make this differentiation: um, is that to reveal the will of something is just okay. God has revealed to us that He wants us not to eat you know, pork or, or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So you better submit to that. Right. Um, well, who is all? Don't know. We just know that all is will is that you don't do this. We're, we're in, in our faith and the fundamental thing and particularly with the incarnation of Christ is that he, God revealed his will to people in a similar manner, manner, but then he reveals his character with it to substantiate the will. You know you know how that that's extremely important from a um a verification perspective. Cuz if someone comes along and they tell you this is what God said and you're like oh well, okay, how do I know that that's what God said? And it's like, well, it's he revealed it this is what he said. If you don't understand um or have some understanding of the character of God, you have no way to verify that what they're saying is actually what God would have said. 
Um, and I equate that to like a commander's philosophy or a commander's intent. And um, when you're in a in a um, in a unit, and I'm always using the Marine Corps as an example, when you're in a unit, your commanding officer will publish some kind of commander's intent and commander's philosophy. And so when someone tells you to do something that's a subordinate leader of some kind that's outside of the commander's philosophy or the commander's intent, you already know right off the cuff that you probably shouldn't do it, or at the very least you should challenge it, because what you're about to do is outside of the commander's philosophy. And so it's a it's a check or verification process there so that the CO doesn't have to approve every little thing, but everyone knows, kind of a, has a general understanding of what his character is, what he believes in, what the direction he wants the unit to go. And so they should be making decisions that line up with that um, philosophy. And we're going to talk about it more here in a second when we actually get into the ontology and character between the uh, of God between the two. Um, but to to have a will without a character, um, one, it's not just a, I wouldn't say it's just a stressful place to be. Because um, if you remember, like Jesus, one of his biggest things was that you guys are so zealous for the law, but you've completely lost the reason why. The mm-hmm. law was always committed for people to serve and love people. And you guys have, instead of, you've compromised loving people for just obedience to the law. It's almost yeah. actually a perfect contrast to what Islam teaches in the sense where Christ would come and say, you guys are so zealous about just following a bunch of rules, you have no idea why those rules need to be followed. Because to them, they're saying, well, our, our the, the rule is that we just submit to the revelation of, of Allah's will. But they have no idea that that will is anchored into a character of God, and that character of God is love. But they don't yeah. believe that, and we'll talk about that in a second too. Um, and just also before we go on, because I, I kind of Jesus kind of already slammed the door with this. So most of I would say most of the um, the people who who make like within academia who make the claim that we worship the same God. Um, it's usually more on the secular side or the very vastly liberal. It's oversimplified. Well, it's very, yeah, right. But I just wanted to say, we don't use their definitions for things. We need to use Jesus's definition for things. And he really slams the door on this whole thing. Um, in Genesis eight nineteen or Genesis, goodness, John eight nineteen. But he says, he's blasting the Pharisees and he says, um, if you knew me, you know, my father, and to not know me means you do not know my father, you know, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just notice the relational terms there because that's another big difference. But, but to know, he says, if you know God, you know Jesus. To not know Jesus means you don't know God. So um, to say that you worship a God you don't know, right? Um, you, you can't separate the two. Right. Yeah. To, to say you worship a God you don't know. Yeah, it's very problematic to try and um, really do anything for anyone that you don't really know because you don't you don't you can't predict their reaction to it. You can't predict how they'll respond to it. And if you've ever been in a relationship with someone like that, um, where they're inconsistent or you just don't know how they're going to respond to something, it's very stressful. Like you brought up, it's very um, 
it leaves you ripe for not, not really betrayal, but almost to be taken advantage of because uh, you don't know what Well, it's, what e- to it's easy to be deceived. Yeah. Deceived is better than taken advantage yeah, of. Yeah, because because it, it, it's you're, you're, you look at like, well, this is the will. Well, how do I know that's the will? Like, how do we measure will against, like, even for our own, our, ourselves, right? Like, how do I know when something's my will versus God's will? Mm-hmm. How do I know what my will is is in line with that or not in line with it, right? And and, and there's certain things like um, Christianity has a history of this, by the way, because we'll probably talk about some, you know, um, Islamic extremism here in a, in a second. But there was a time of Christianity where um, they would go submit them by the sword, become a Christian or, or die. Mm. The Crusades, you know, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. And that certainly was a dark time for the church. The difference is, is that they recognized it. And you had multiple reformations throughout the church history where you have them kind of going down into this corrupted state and then realizing that is not in line with Christianity because Christianity is in, is, is anchored on the character of God as revealed through through Jesus. So you can't go put a throat to, or a sword to someone's throat and say believe or die because that is not in the character of who God and, and, and Jesus, Jesus are. are. Yeah, and you look at that, and, and, and what and Scripture also it's says is to like ostracize and kick out people that don't believe what you believe because that's outside of the character of Jesus as well. Like he went out of his way to go to the darkest reaches of their society and to go meet with the Gentiles and be with the Gentiles. He ate with um, sinners to share. Yeah, right. to be with sinners to share because it's not the, truth with the healthy who need a doctor; it's the sick. Exactly. Right? But 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 the idea though is that you're, there has always been this self correction within Christianity because we are anchored on God's character and not simply on God's will. And and, and you're going to see. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get to the mission aspect between the two. But I first want to get into because I think we need to kind of define this as we go. But Let's just talk about the ontology of God to begin with. Um, what is the very, not character, but the nature of, of God between the two? So Islam, um, they have a theological concept called the, the Tawheed. Are you familiar with that? I'm nope. not. So it's, um, it's about the oneness, that God is one. Very monotheistic, right? As we are. Um, but But it's really that... Um, there's only one absolute unity within God himself. Um, God is, does not, he's so transcendent and outside of creation outs, you know, he's in his own place, um, completely his own person that what it's created is, is the whole concept of Tawheed is one where Allah is unknowable. You cannot know him. Hmm. Now, when, when you look at it, you, you like, well, part of me kind of i'm like well yeah I, I agree with that in the sense that god is so big and he's eternal mm-hmm. so no matter how much i learn about god i can never learn everything about him exactly right like there's there's no you know so so it's, I, it's impossible to conceptualize in some ways like a, a a character that exists outside of time and and has and the, he p- the power says, to create my ways are not your ways yeah. right because he's that way so, so it's not that there's, that's not where the tension lies between us. What the tension is, is that for them, theologically, the concept of Tawheed and the oneness, 
um, is one to which he is impersonal, that Allah is an impersonal God. Um, so the idea, one of a relational God, um, even organically in itself, which we'll talk about in a second about, you know, the Trinity, but mm-hmm. that is very offensive to them. Our Trinitarian, the concept yeah, of the Trinity, the Trinitarian uh, concept within Christianity is very offensive to Muslims because it vastly offends their theological concept of Tawhid, um, the, the internal oneness of, of Allah. And that Allah himself is so transcendent and beyond that he is not personal to us. He's an impersonal God. Okay. This is a key difference. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting because you can't really de- develop that relationship that we emphasize in but, but what's, Christianity. You also can't it, understand or define uh, character, motivations, um, any, anything about him. Well, but, but this is when you start getting things wrapped up and contradictions start coming, pouring on top of contradictions, right? Like th- th- We've already kind of passed through a few of them, but look, if, if the Torah and the gospel are the first and second revelation of Allah, but then it's corrupted, so you need the Quran, mm-hmm. but then when the Quran, and this is kind of how they like they like to chalk it up as, well, when you see contradictions between the Quran and the Bible, well, that's because it got corrupted. And yet all the fundamental truths that they're trying to hold on to that lead into the Quran are, are from those same books mm-hmm. so you know if you think about building blocks right torah gospel quran but if i if i rip out the bottom block that the other two rest on mm-hmm. everything falls over right it's the same thing like with the book of mormon um it's the same thing with like with jehovah witness like they, they you remove that everything else topples with it you yeah. know what i'm saying but but an, another contradiction within that though is that they're very much of the belief that Allah is unknowable. You cannot know him. So to claim that you know a a character of God is also offensive to them. Even though later in the Quran, Muhammad says that there are 99 names for Allah because the 99 names of Allah for Allah demonstrate his character. So it's mm. so you can know 99 names but you can't know him at all, right? There is a there's a confusion there. Um but but it is but the concept of tawhid is I mean, that, that's a similar to like when we say, hey, like our doctrine or our the theology of being made in God's image. Um, because they, that's another big piece. align with that? Well, that's the, no. And that's the other big piece is that they do not believe Allah represents any part of his creation. Interesting. And it's interesting because um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the character of Allah here in a second, but with love. Um, cause they don't believe that is an actual attribute or character of Allah. And they, they don't think Allah is personal and yet somehow he created personal beings. He created l- beings with the capable ability to of love. capable of love. You also see, um, like as an example, is that a, uh, well, one, the very act of creation is personal in itself. Yeah. It's it, it's something actually very intimate to create something. You know what I mean? Like I mean, you're a musician. Um, by the way, everybody, I don't know if you knew this, but the intro music that you hear to the podcast was, com- <laughs> was entirely scored by Imran himself. Um, yeah. Every instrument in there. Um, but you know, you're in it. So if you're creating something new, you know, musically, it requires you to engage your 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 mind, 
um, your heart in a sense, right? Like kind of mm. just and for, then, for it to be touching done... an instrument and, and building that in, like it is a very intimate thing to create music from scratch. You see what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. So like, I totally get what you're what you're saying, and um, and I think that applies to any artist and even a scientist too, in some ways. To like to create a new piece of technology, to go through the process of like writing code, to go like it's hard mm-hmm. to get that, and you don't get it right the first time. At least with us, you don't get it right the first time. And it takes a lot of thought, a lot of planning, a lot of rehearsal, a lot of uh, training, and and, and and so even even I think like a, a perfect creation, um, or or for God to to create, it it would still take that emotional connection. He would have had to think through what he actually wanted this to look like. I mean, down, I, 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 I hope so. I hope the, he thought through what he wanted us to look like. Yeah. Just to, to the microbe level, to the cosmic level. Yeah. You, know I mean? you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, to that where, we, were, we were talking about like the rules, the laws, like but that not just, govern but, but this even like just he, he was so intimately personal with his creation that you can look through a microscope and see his beautiful artistry and design. You can look through a telescope and see the magnitude and artistry of his design. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. and that is a very personal thing. And, and somehow, though, a very impersonal unknowable um god created very artistic um relational being you see what i'm saying yeah Um, that are capable of such emotional depth and all that so it's like well if that's the capacity of emotion and love and care that we have like how much more so would a uh would god have right and and that's the thing because we hold that we were created in his image Means that we we're like a mirror, right? Like we, um, the reason a, we, a scuffed up, pretty rough mirror. Well, well, well yeah, but we, we, um, I mean, if you look at a mirror, right, you see a reflection of self, except one's three dimensional, one's two dimensional, right? That's kind of the same with us, is that, um, we are a mirrored two dimensional, um, image of God in the sense that, like, we, yeah, we we reflect it, but we're not the full thing, it's, and that's it, not it, really it lacks depth. But, but what yeah. it does is creates in us not only a capacity to love and a capacity to um, for justice and holiness and all those things, but a desire for it. And yet, at the same time, we realize that we are imperfect in that pursuit, right? It's like, man, I I desire love so much, and I yet I don't feel satisfied in love. I, I desire justice, and yet I don't see justice anywhere. It, 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 all that is really just pointing back to a desire for God. Because we're created in his image, therefore we long for his character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. With Allah, you have, and you know, and this is, and again, this is going to the concept of Tawheed, of the oneness of of, of Allah, but um, I hear people say this a lot, and I'm going to apply it towards towards Muslims, um, but, I, but it's with other things too. Um, you know, and, and particularly with, you know, coming out of 9-11 and the way a lot of, um, you know, Muslims were treated in the country coming out of that, you know, a lot of the, the racial profiling mm-hmm. and the discrimination and, um, and a lot of the kind of like in turn, what people had said was, um, or, or say things like there, I know, um, far more good Muslims than bad Muslims. And by battle Muslims, they're, they're referring to the, the extremists, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about that, that presupposes some things. Um, and I, I use that term good moving forward because God says, well, or Jesus says, 
nobody's good except for God. So when you mm-hmm. say I'm good, what are you referring to, right? I'm just saying generally, well, what we would say is, hey, well, he's a good person, right? Um, to say I know many good Muslims, well, what's your definition of good? And usually what we're presupposing on that is our view of morality or our view of what good means. Yeah. Um, that's an identity in itself. And what we're doing is presupposing our identity onto them, but we call them, we say good Muslim because they self-identify as Muslim. But when you look at those two concepts, right, in America, for example, to call a good Muslim who is vastly anchored in Judeo-Christian values, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not saying everybody, we live in a Christian nation because I actually don't think that to be true. But what I would say is that it's been anchored for a very long time on Judeo-Christian values. So when you look forward to saying like, well, they're a good, they're a good Muslim. I see them loving and they're, they're good um, members of the community and, and they, um, they're very merciful and, and you know, they they forgive people and all those things, right? Well, none of those things are an expectation in Islam. Interesting. What? So, so what you're saying is, is that like they're a good Muslim. Well, you're, what you're really saying is that per your moral value, they're a good person in comparison to your moral Morals, standing. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good Muslim because a good person by your understanding could be actually make them a bad Muslim. Okay. You see I, what I I'm saying? I get what you're going. And to be you... a good Muslim can then translate sometimes to us in the West as being a bad person. Yeah, because the priority of... I guess like priorities of work, you could say for the, for our faith, for the uh, Christian faith is that we act and pursue the character of God. So we should be doing things that are loving, are morally sound, are in line with what we understand to be the character of God, because we can't, and we can't do everything perfectly. Well, we don't, it's not on us to figure that out. He he gave that to us. Yeah. Right. And that's when we get back to the revelation piece is that. We believe God has revealing himself. He's like, hey, do these things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself, right? All all those concepts, he tells us, you you, you are to go love people. You need to forgive. And arcs, Jesus but tells it arcs us, back to his character. But it arches back and is verified by his character. So like an, an example, right? Um, the Quran speaks about how Allah is very merciful and he is forgiving, but there's nothing of the character that would suggest, like, there's nothing, well, what, what just cause is there for Allah to show mercy? You see what I'm saying? Like, like if hmm. he didn't care about something, why would you show mercy? Right. So yeah. it, it kind of, but but it's also like, well, well, who does he forgive and who does he not? not? So the, the question, and this is why I'm saying is like when people say, well, we worship the same God. Like, well, do we fundamentally worship the same God? I, before because- we even dive into that. So you brought up like what what we make, what makes us say that this person may be a, a good Muslim. Like they're doing good things that are lined up with like the values we believe to be important. But it may not be what makes them a good Muslim to other Muslims. Like, well, what makes a good Muslim a good Muslim to other Muslims? And, and there's no expectation at all in Islam for love forgiveness or grace okay there's no expectation of that so when, when you look at like um radical um this you know islamists and, and the you know isis and al-qaeda and you see them beheading people or mercilessly killing indiscriminately hundreds and hundreds of people and just dumping them 
into these mass graves and they're doing that and we're looking at it like that that is just total moral um, depravity right to them there's all has never told them not to well do they not have the <laughs> this, this, commandments like thou this, shall not murder ah but see now we're going to get into the mission right and that that all that arcs really to to the belief of what muslims believe the mission is and the mission well one personally is submission obedience the mission to the will is to bring the entire world under the reign or under the reign under the um bring the entire world into submission to Allah. Now that's without forgiveness, grace, right? Mm-hmm. It's just you bring just them do it. you bring them under the submission. That's why the whole concept of jihad and you know you come and you say um you know recant, become a muslim or we're going to kill you. Because our job is to put you under the submission of Allah, and if you're not going to submit to Allah, we're just going to kill you. Because the, 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 the mission is the submission. Is the submission it. of of the world under Allah. You see what I'm saying? Um, now and we what, believe. What does it even mean to be to be in submission to the will of Allah if there if the expectations aren't there? Like, like what are the expectations? They have expectations. Submitted. Well, you got the five pillars. Um, Oh man, I'm tr- I'm trying to remember the, the the Arabic names for them, but one is essentially it's very actually very similar to the Shema for Jews, which is I am the Lord your God, Lord your God is one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your Deuteronomy six, okay, mm-hmm. um, the Shema. It's very similar. It's pretty much um, there is no God but Allah, you know, sort of thing. Um, same way like the Ten Commandments open right. Um, you got uh, what are the other pillars? You have um, like essentially, I don't know. See, it's almost not charity, but um, giving. Um, you got praying five times a day, you know, things like that. Okay, so they have their five pillars, and it's about oh, you living. I googled it. Okay, go ahead. We can we can tell me if I'm wrong. The declaration of faith, the uh, shahada, the shahada. There you go. Prayer. This, the Salah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pronounce these terribly. I'm sorry. Uh, alams giving. Is that like alms, a tithing? Alms giving. Yep. Okay. Fasting. Swam. And a Ramadan. Pil- and, okay. Like Ramadan. And the pilgrimage. To Mecca. What? That's even oh. more than five. No, that's nope, five. That's five. Declaration of faith. Prayer. Giving. Fasting. And pilgrimage. Okay. Yep. You were saying other words. And- he was saying the, he was the, saying the okay. Arabic words. Yeah. The Arabic gotcha. words. I was trying my best. <laughs> So, so, okay. so the point though is that when, when you, there's nothing about Allah that has been revealed in terms of His character. Actually, none of that really actually arcs back to character specifically. You declare your faith, which you there's know, no other God except Allah. Okay, and then prayer. That's like an act of submission, right? And you just making your um, your needs known, um, giving, oh. tithing, like that. That's taxes. We do the same thing for the government. Um, fasting, fasting, Ramadan, mm-hmm. which is again like a type of remembrance, um, is similar to prayer, and then a pilgrimage, which is like an act of going. And if that's the pillar, like the foundation, that's um, yeah, that is very different. Yeah, it's extremely different. More like ritual. a lot of that, yeah, it is a lot. It's very ritual oriented. So when you look at like the mission, right, with that is. That is that is how I conduct myself in the world, 
but the mission I should be on is to bring the world under Allah's submission now, or uh, become submissive to Allah. Now you can look at Christianity, for example, which is very similar, which is we participate in um, the mission of God and, and the spirit expanding the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. We, we're expanding the kingdom of heaven on planet earth. And you're like, well, that's the same thing, right? No, well, the method it, it's the see, means. See, and that's the thing. It's, it's, it's not, um, how matters, right? Just the same thing. Like, okay. So by the way, um, the Quran does say that, um, Allah loves, but he only loves those who loved him first. Ooh. Um, and that's actually in the Quran. That's chapter three, verses 31 through 32. Um, and he also only loves those who do good deeds, which is chapter two, verse 195 in, in, in the Quran. Um, well, what's a good deed? Because how do I know what is good if I don't have a good character to compare it to? Or at least a definition. What, what, what is that character? Someone has to define it. Right. Yeah, it? You know, so the whole point is like, um, um, or, or if you, but now contrast that though with with Christianity. So, in, in Islam, God loves those who loved Him first. Christianity is that we love God because He loved us first. Mm-hmm. That's First John. You know, four was it First John four nineteen. Um, we love because He first loved us. Islam is that um, He loves be- He loves because we love Him, him first. first, right? Complete 180. Completely different, right? Complete um, diabolically different. Um, Diabolically different? I like the word of the day right there. There you go. Yeah, I'm starting Uh, to see differences too, like in terms of redemption in Christianity. Like, But I don't know how you would, if that's even a thing. So far, what? what, If it's just surrendering or submitting. See, that's the thing. You don't know. And this is the problem. Is one they call all a merciful and yet he doesn't offer a way of redemption while they're alive. It's you, you wait for you to die and then you may get figure it out. Mercy. And that's why when you start seeing this is what, and this is what I'm saying. And, and, and I, my heart breaks for those wrapped up under um, extremists uh, or, or, or uh, Muslim extremists, because one, by the way, that whenever you look at extremists of anything, it's usually the most logical outworking of any given teaching. You see what I'm it's saying? It's like the most like brutally mathematical interpretation of whatever you're talking about. The most logical interpretation. Yeah. Uh, mm. You know, um, so, so you look at things like, you know, like you see in Mormonism sometimes where like polygamy. Well, when you read like the Pearl of Great Price and Doctrines and Covenants, those books, that is the most logical um, rendering of, you know, of that faith. Not holistically. That, that's not the, what the summation of Mormonism is, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just saying... Um, you know, the, the, the fundamentalist Mormons are, yeah. are fundamentalists because they're probably the most logical. So yeah, most like Mormons, for example, the LDS church has gone from that and are very much not that right. Um, just as most Muslims are not radical Muslims, mm-hmm. but the most logical working of that though, is those extremes, right? And why you see guys willing to go blow themselves up. Um, you know, and, and kill a bunch of people. Well, what's wrong about killing a bunch of people if I'm trying to bring everybody under the 
the submission of Allah in the world. And if yeah, that's the, the way whole, I do that, and there's nothing you, wrong with that. And if those people aren't um, under the submission of Allah, then like Allah doesn't even love them. Right. But then if the Quran then tells me, but if you die as a martyr for Allah's sake, that's a guarantee you go to heaven. Then now you're much more. It's like you're you're apt. more you're more in line with. Not just the being a, the law and the will, and therefore but being a good. But you see why they would be Muslim. willing to do that because they don't know of any other for sure way for redemption. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? We realize we need a redeemer, and that comes from Christ. Now we're able to live a fuller life while we're alive, and we are secure in that salvation. They don't have that unless you blow yourself up as a or, or die as a martyr. Because that's the only guarantee. That is the only guarantee. You see what I'm saying? So, so when you look at those people, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to be harsh with this because for me, and again, I've spent a lot of time with people there. Is that like they're doing that because they are really just aching and longing for what we ached and longed for, which is salvation. That's what they're aching for. And the way, the only for sure way to get salvation in Islam is to die. Um, the manner in which you die, right? Where Christ says, no, I'm going to die so you can live. And in, in Islam, you must die if you want to live in salvation. That's the only guaranteed way. Now, there's other ways if you, because um, the other thing we haven't hit, by the way, is fundamentally the difference between um our God and, and the God of Islam is that is the one of grace. Again, grace no expectation. Like deeds. Um, Islam is under a doctrine of, of works. Um, got to love Allah, um, a certain amount, and you got to do a certain amount of good works. If you do more good works than bad works, and then what is considered good works, you know, is kind of ambiguous, but, um, I mean, in the pillars, you got the prayer, you got the giving, you got the fasting, the pilgrimage. I know the pilgrimage is huge, like globally, that whole, like, what is it? They have to go well, to Ramadan Mecca. too. Ramadan, I mean, man, you, you try patrolling with uh, a bunch of ANA or Iraqi police or Iraqi army during Ramadan. They're all so cranky and it's, they're just miserable. <laughs> but, they, but no, but like the, the thing is, is that they're longing for the same thing that we longed for. Um, so so the, the thing is, is, how can you say it? It's not that Allah is incapable of of forgiving or that he's incapable of mercy in their theology. It's um, it's not that he can't do it. It's the manner into which he does it and what, what you receive from that, right? You very much have to earn it in Islam. We are the ones that say there's more in line, to, to be completely honest, in my view, is, is more in line with the Tawheed, which is, God is so massive and outside of us. There's no amount of what I can do that would ever earn my way to him. Yeah. So really the Christian doctrine of depravity is more in line with the concept of Tawheed being that God is so transcendent beyond us. From a different perspective. Right. It's, like, it's not that he's so transcendent, he's unknowable. It's that he's so transcendent that you could never can, make up for that. I can never you make can, up for that. But... Big difference, of course, being is that God is a personal God and he has revealed himself, not just his will, but himself to us to be known in our sin. He redeemed us so we can know him even more. And um, so so when you look at that, you know, in, in, in Islam, it's called Dar al-Islam, which is essentially, you know, bringing the entire world under the rule of Allah. 
Um, of course, we we call it the gospel, and we call it expanding God's kingdom through bearing witness to the glory of Christ, mm-hmm. his, his um, resurrection, and through the system of the gospel, which is acting completely different than the world, which is love, grace, right? When you look at um, what Islam teaches about enemies, you know, crush them, crush them, crush them, and then Christ tells us, no, love them. Love them. Um, so, you know, if, so, so the idea is like, well, it's all the same God. We just believe different, uh, or interpret the ends or, or the means different. I mean, it's, that's like saying like if I had my children and one of them says, you know, um, my dad loves us so much. He works hard for us. He, um, you know, does these things for us. And then my other child then saying, my dad is never home. I never see him. I've never seen him. I get letters every now and then just telling me to go do chores, right? It makes no sense to say that two belong under the same cut. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because the definition of God is only really determined by how he has revealed it to us. Mm -hmm. And um, the character of who, what God has revealed to us. I mean, there's a lot behind these differences, by the way. I mean, they believe in Jesus, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, they just believe he was a prophet. They don't believe, they call him Messiah, but they don't believe. Um, but Messiah means to no, save. Yeah. I know. And you see what I'm saying? Um, here, here's the other thing. I, I When I was talking to uh, Omar, this, this was a, a night where he, he kind of got a little, uh, how would you say? Um, Defensive? No, no, no. Aggressive. Um, Heated? But we're eating. I'm there with all the soldiers. He, I, He's sitting next to me. We're eating our evening meal, you know, in Afghanistan. And he just starts testing me. I don't know. what, what He was in a bad mood. I don't know. But we're eating, and he starts challenging me with a bunch of things. And I'm trying to go back to commonality. I'm like, hey, remember how we, Abraham? Because that actually blows their mind. They don't even realize that there's commonalities. Um, but he kept pushing, kept pushing. So I finally answered all his questions. I said, hey, I answered your questions. I'll answer mine. He's like, okay. And he's, he's being all arrogant, right? I said, you believe that Allah is all knowing? He's like, absolutely. That he's all powerful? Absolutely. So then, and I said, then why does he need a man, i.e. Muhammad, to tell him who a good Muslim is and who isn't? You know, and all the soldiers are like quiet and he just, we're told not to question such things. You know, and I'm like, well, let me ask you another question. So I started pressing him back to the point um, where the soldiers themselves said, no, he answered all your questions. You haven't Mm. answered a single one of his. And that made him frustrated, got up, slapped my interpreter in the face because he was Shiite. He was among all the Sunnis, which completely shamed him, screams something in uh, Dari, goes storming out of the room. This was also, by the way, in the context that we had um, um, a couple of blue-on-blue incident fratricide with A&A turning on their advisors and, and shooting and killing them at some positions really close to me. And oh, I had my gotten, goodness. I had gotten an, an intel that at my position, we had a defector. So it was like this big, like, what do we do? Because if we reinforce the posts, because the A&A guarded us, that, they, they took pride in that. They took pride in the fact that they guarded the Marines and we didn't stand the post. Um because I had like, you know, a team of um, 30 there. It's like, hey, do we go reinforce the post? If we did that, that's going to crush rapport and we're not going to be able to accomplish what we're here to do. Um, so we said, well, let's just 
trust that it doesn't happen pretty much. Um, I mean, we did have everybody go around loaded condition three, but besides the point, this was in that mm. context. Okay. He gets up shaking his finger at them all yelling at him. Cause he's frustrated with me that I wrapped him up. He goes storming out and then all the soldiers remain and I'm like stressed. I'm like, did he just tell him to like kill me? Cause I, you know what I mean? Cause that <laughs> oh, was man. Going, um, and I'm like getting my plan. I'm, I'm yelling at my interpreter. Who's like, he just got slapped by the mula. So he's like in this big state of shame. I'm like, Mustafa, Mustafa, what did he say as he walked out? What did he say? And he was just like, oh, you know, I'm like, what did he say? Because I'm like in the far back corner of the room. I'm like, Door's they, real far away. Yeah. I'm like, if they turn for me and I'm like, I'm like, all right, if I see them raise one, I'm going to have to, I only had my pistol, you know, anyways, I'm contriving this plan. Right. Um, in the middle of that, one of the soldiers said something in Dari and all the other soldiers start laughing. And I'm like, Mustafa, what did they say? Or what did he say? He's like, he said, teacher, tell us more. So um, in their society, a religious teacher is like the very top. A regular teacher is right below that. He mm-hmm. called me like a regular teacher. Mm. Um, but he's like, hey, he knows things and he's saying some things. And he just wrapped up our mula, you know, so that he's like, teacher, tell us more. But because the mula got out of there, I got to spend the next hour and a half sharing the gospel. Um, to wow. the point where that's awesome. my interpreter, the Tolai, um, first sergeant, essentially, um, both came up to me asking me if I can give them Arabic Bibles because some of the other soldiers were asking to read it. And this isn't saying in Afghanistan, by the way. Um, what's interesting about this is that Omar, the mullah had asked me for one at the beginning of the deployment. I called my mom. I said, mom, can you send me a, a, a Bible in Arabic? Um, and he was going to read it to try to disprove it, right? And I kind of knew that, but it was it was fine because at least I'm getting a Bible, right? I said, oh, guys, well, because this is towards the end of deployment when this all, all this happened. I'm like, guys, I don't think I'd get here on time. I'll try, but I don't think so. About a week later, I get my the box with the first Bible. I mean, I'm expecting it from my mom. I open it up. There's three Bibles. Um, One for Omar, one for the Tolai commander, one for my interpreter. And... Um, I call my mom like, what made you th- think to send three? Cause three people asked me specifically oh. for it. I had only asked her for one. I'm like, why did you send me three? She's like, Oh, it was a deal. I just figured you could use them. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you could use them. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, but then shortly after that, we left two, seven came in behind us. They were the last advisor team there. When they pulled out, the Taliban came through, swept through, pretty much captured, and killed the entire toy that I was advising. So only the ones who were on leave at the time survived. Mm. Like Talon, Talon completely took control and took it over. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me is like, you know, but there are three Bibles, you know, Arabic Bibles that are somewhere that missionaries and nobody can get to, but God was still able to plant them there. You know what I'm saying? It's a really, but, but my point being though, is that, um, you know, Islam fundamentally, um, I think, is a massive contradiction. Um, when you when you because there's a lot of things we haven't talked about. I mean, um, yeah, I have more questions. Yeah, yeah. This, there's a lot we haven't talked about. We can but, save that for for another longer one because this is actually, man, it might it might be worthwhile to have a season where we just like maybe have a couple of weeks where we just here, talk. Here's about the this. thing, though, and and this is why I think. You know, saying something as simple as, you know, we worship the same God as Muslims is, well, 
the mission's different, the ontology of God's different, the character of Allah versus Yahweh are completely different. Um, literally, the only thing that you kind of have that have in common is a lineage going back through to Abraham, to Abraham through two different lines, right? Yeah. But because and I was, I forgot to loop that back around. But we we're talking about when in the Bible it says, "But my covenant will be through Isaac." Muslims, he's an impersonal God. He doesn't make covenants. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the idea that a covenant went through Isaac and not Ishmael, or in, that that's absurd to them. But yeah. when you look at um, Ishmael, who just culturally had the rights and the blessings, it's logically through that line that you should be following through Abraham because he was the firstborn. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the other thing too, if, can we just talk Trinity real quick? Sure. Because I think the Trinity is probably the most offensive thing to them. Um, is it because God became man? That too. I mean, it's a lot of things. It's that the idea that that God would kill God in a sense, right? Um, let alone a prophet is absurd to them. Um, a lot of, there's a lot of offensive things that, that they find... But I'm just talking... When, That's an interesting when, perspective. Like, I can definitely see why you would find that offensive, especially if you had a, a different understanding of God. Well, it's like, why you, would a God need to kill Well, think about Tawheed, right? Tawheed, the oneness and internal completeness of God. Um, yeah. So, so Perfect, the idea... Perfect, unknowable, all that stuff. Right, all those things. So, what, what they believe to be God, by definition, okay? And this is what I'm talking about, is... The world says we've gotten to, and postmodernism has done this, where, or what we're really talking about is what we define as God is what God has revealed and defined for Himself to us, right? The world is just like, oh well, you know, maybe maybe there is a God, generic, a God, and He has revealed Himself, and in the terms of how He revealed Himself, you know, to Abraham goes to Jews, Christians, Muslims, so they all worship the same God, right? Like. There's there's been this redaction back of 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 faith in postmodernism where when you really dive into it, um, we are not the same because the way they understand is taught. Um, um, gosh, what am I, I'm missing it. Tahid or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how they define the ontology of God. We define the ontology of God in Trinitarian terms, right? They think that we believe in three gods mm. and then call it monotheistic, right? And you know the concept of the Trinity is that very... that could be very confusing though. If you if let's say you haven't, you don't have access to a Bible, you don't have access to like um, the openness of like the internet and all the information. It's like that's a pretty easy conclusion to come to. Like, well, right it's hard. I mean, explaining yeah, the Trinity some... is is very difficult, anyways. Yeah. But can I just answer a, a thing to that? Um, just because I want people to have an answer for it too. And I'm, not, I'm certainly not anytime, any way you try to build like an analogy or an allegory to, to kind of explain it, you, you know, somebody somewhere can always look at it like, yeah, but that piece can fall into a heresy, right? There's this, this was a big debate for a really long time. Um, but what we prescribe to is the hypostatic, hypostatic union of God, um, through, through God, the father, God, the son, mm-hmm. God, the Holy spirit. Muslims also believe in what they teach is what we teach they think we teach is that there is God the Father, God the Mother, who is Mary, and God the Son. 
So they completely don't even understand our own Trinitarian views. But besides the point, the hypostatic union, the best way I can describe this, um, you know, Selena. We, we look at Selena. Before I ever talked to Selena, she shared any bit of her mind or personality or passion with me. Just, you know, seeing her walk into church. She's presenting and revealing herself to the world and to me as just physically, right? She mm -hmm. has a body. Looks very unique. You know what I mean? She exists. She, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's one way that Selena... Very pretty. One way that Selena reveals herself to the world, mm -hmm. right? But then you start talking and you start seeing what's in the mind. I'm like, oh, she thinks a certain way and, and, and she believes certain things about certain things. Um, you know, the, the, the mind of Selena is there. Um, but then there's also a personality behind her. So for example, like if you had, if Selena had a twin sister, identical twin sister, are they the same person? No, they're still unique. Why? Because while they may have the same body, be me revealing themselves to the world the same, they have different minds, right? They think about things a little bit different. They have different wills, right? So that's mm -hmm. why when you see Jesus always submitting to the will not my will, but your will be done. You know, it's all about the submission of the will of the Father because you have a physical manifestation of God. You have the will of the Father through the Spirit, right? Which Selena also has. She has a spirit. There's a personality. There's a passion behind Selena. So it's not mm -hmm. just that she believes in Jesus, but she has a passion for Jesus. And you'll physically see her lift her hands up in worship in that passion towards Jesus. You see yeah. what I'm saying? The way you manifest yourself in the world. Now, would we say... Well, like, did I? Did I lift my hands? No, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm saying as an example, right? Would we say that Selena is three people? No. no. There's Selena. It's a hypostatic union of the mind, the, the, the will, you know, the spirit, and the body, right? We have a word for a being that has a mind and a or will, right? Mind, will, um, and a spirit without a body. We call him like an angel or a spiritual being. Um, we have a name for somebody who does not have a mind or a body, but has a spirit. We call that a ghost. Um, we have a, a word for somebody who has a body, but does not have a mind or a spirit. We call that being dead. dead. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's in the hypostatic union of those three that creates the oneness of an individual because we were created in the the image of God, we share in that same kind of hypostatic structure where God himself within himself, you got the the mind and the will, the passion and the spirit and the word itself, the, the physical. Another way to look at that mm -hmm. is speaking, right? It calls uh, Christ is the word, the logos, the word, right? I'm speaking right now, words. You hear mm -hmm. a physical manifestation of what is going on through my brain, right? So I'm thinking it. Which is also willing it. Oh, just, let me finish yeah, this yeah, thought real quick. Yeah. I'm thinking it and willing it, but it takes breath for me to push words out. You know what I'm saying? So through the breath, that's why in Hebrew the hay means breath, it means wind, and it means spirit. That's why you often hear this Holy Spirit be re regarded as the wind or the breath, right? Mm -hmm. So it's from the mind needing through the breath that the word is presented. Right, yeah. just as it is from the will and the mind of the Father through the Spirit that manifests in Jesus. You see what I'm saying? I and and a, even I those two, I would just say, just 
as those two explanations, you could probably even peel back and be like, well, but I'm still not sure that fully, truly defines it. No, I mean, because it's, it's very hard. But, but the idea, though, for me, in my brain, the way I've been able to the, the hypostatic union of God, where you have one, just like, you know, what we did with Selena, um, she manifests herself and reveals herself in the world in these different manners that, that are generated from the mind and the will and from the passion, but also physically, right? It's the same hypostatic union of God, where, but we wouldn't say there's more than one Selena. There's only one Selena, just as there's only one God. But the, but the Muslims kind of pull that back and think that we are we are polytheistic under the guise of monotheism, right? Yeah. Uh, but um, I wanted to just carry that example, the second example you gave a little bit further too, because um, we can never know really know what's in the mind of someone else. Um, we can see them act. We can see them do things. We can hear them speak and hear them communicate things um, and see them react to things. And but, but that will only give us a very good approximation of what's actually in their mind. Like, no matter how much Selena describes how she feels to me, I can never fully understand how she feels. No matter how much she uh, communicates something to me or I see her react to things, in excitement or sorrow or, or joy or, or, or hate, like that's still my best approximation of trying to understand like what she truly is feeling in her mind. Like I can never really fully right. know that. What her and mind that's and just, what her, what she's willing. Yeah. Right? And that's just a, another human being. Like I have a mind. I understand, I think I understand my own mind, but, and I can <laughs> never fully understand someone else's. Yeah. It's like how much more so for the character of God, like yeah. to think that we can never fully understand, like, his his mind if we can't even fully understand another human being's mind but but understand though the way that my whole point of that though was that the ontology of god according to muslims with the tawhid versus the christian understanding of ontology of god being trinitarian as well as they don't really have a character of allah where we we feel god has revealed his character to us through being made complete and fully in the full revelation of jesus christ as well as a mission to yes expand God's kingdom, but not forcefully, but through the manner. So, so the question is not whether Allah forgives or whether Allah reveals. It's what He reveals and how He reveals it and why He reveals it. For, so for us, it's, it's now. Would you say after hearing all that that we worship the same God? And I would say no. Like Charles Manson believed um, said that he was you know, the second coming of Christ, right? And he even did Bible studies. Does that mean we worship the same Jesus? You see what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So just because there, there's there's similarities or, or even because there are, um, um, they can trace back to a common heritage, that doesn't mean, you know, and, and this would never have been a thing for the original audience of, of Moses when we were talking about with, with you know, creation, um, the no matter how sim, similar the Sumerian, not Sumerian, I'm sorry, the Phoenician and the Babylonian um, gods were, like you, would, if you were to do that study, you'd be like, man, they, these are pretty much the same. It feels like, right? I mean, but just not, neither the... one of them would though would say they're the same. Muslims wouldn't say they that Christians worship Allah. If they did, they wouldn't want to convert us. Um, they wouldn't say that's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't feel the need to do anything. Right. They wouldn't, they wouldn't go to Jews and try to, um, kill the Jews if they believe that Jews worship the same God as Allah. Yeah. 
you know, nobody makes that claim that 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 is a a postmodern bleed of trying to make a universalism a thing that God has revealed himself to the world in all these different ways, but every different way that he revealed himself and all the different characters to which he, um, you know, uh, revealed himself, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense. You know what I'm yeah, saying? They so, try to say it's either all, all of these characters are right or because all these characters can't be right. Therefore, all of them are wrong. So, so, you know, I think it's accurate to say that Jews, Muslims, Christians trace their lineage, their, their, yeah, some of their lineage and heritage and even Christians. I mean, that's true of some Christians, obviously, but like the Gentiles, I mean, Paul says we're grafted into that promise and we're grafted into that heritage. So I claim it as my heritage. You know, the story of Abraham is my story because I'm grafted into that promise. But, but, you know, that's not, that's completely different though than saying, by definition, the character and ontology of the God we serve is the same character and ontology of the God that Muslims serve. Yeah. Does that make sense? Um, and that's why it's such a weighty issue. Why it was good to have a podcast. To- and I think this was awesome. Yeah. Do you were there any final points before we close no, it out? No, that, that was pretty much it. I mean, um, I think it was a good discussion. I think I do too. Like quite quite honestly, this definitely helped clarify some things for me personally, and I'm and I'm venture to wager that every single person that will listen to this, it'll clarify something to them, or at least uh, reveal that the uh, public school system isn't as great as it seems, uh, as great as it seems. Well, what, right. what do you have, Selena? Because you, you, I've been looking over at you this whole time, and you just had this, like, oh. you look like Socrates <laughs> in his chair, just... Yeah, because, uh, well, you guys had, like, really complex thoughts about the Trinity and the way I've been explaining about it. I don't know if it's too simplified, but... Like, for example, you, Ryan, you are a friend to us, but you're also a father and you're a wife. I mean, <laughs> you're <Huh>? a husband <laughs> um, and you're a brother. So, but you're still the same person. So what you just defined, though, was relational mm. terms, right? So um, that that that. Me- Calling me a father or mm-hmm. calling me a husband or calling me a son or calling me a brother, that, that's descriptive or defining my relation to, different individuals. to someone else. Um, what we're talking about is the ontology of God himself, like within himself, his own character, his own being. You know, what is he? And that's, and that's why when you look at Jesus, and this kind of gets to another point about the impersonal, unknowable Allah versus the very personal and knowable um, God of, of Christianity as revealed through Jesus is this, is that um, the very words that, that Jesus used to describe himself to God is relationally one of father and son. He uses terms like bride and mm-hmm. bridegroom to represent our relationship to him. They're very personal and intimate um, you know, words he uses to describe that relation. What we're talking about, though, is not the relationship of things, as much as we are to, um, or if I could say it this way, because um, one of the things you do see um, is the eternal um, relationship of God himself. Because he's made up of Father, Son, and Spirit, mm-hmm. as we relationally define it, um, he was eternally relational. Um, which, and this is why I always say, I, people go, why did God create man? Well, and I was told this when I was younger. Well, he was lonely. He wanted <laughs> companionship, essentially. 
God was never lonely. He had he was eternally communal within himself. That's why one of the biggest things I think about what happened on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is that there's, there was like a fracturing or a temporary split of that eternal relationship within God's being himself on the cross for that time. You see what I'm saying? Like that's why when he cries out, why have you forsaken me? That there has been a break within that eternal relationship for our sake. You know, and this gets into some very deep theological concepts that we certainly don't have time to, to continue <laughs> on right now. But, um, you know, be careful of a, a common uh, heresy that they call docetism where, well, God revealed himself this way at this time. Then when Jesus came, he re- God revealed himself as that way that time. And then now he reveals himself as the spirit as if they're like three different stages of revelation of how God manifests. That's completely inaccurate because in the Old Testament, God is always referred to as um, wisdom, spirit, and, and um, um, what was this? Spirit. Um, the, well, I guess the wisdom and the spirit kind of go hand in hand, the word. Mm. Um, so so my, my point is, is that you see the, tr- the Trinity throughout. When you look at Genesis 1, it says... Um, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Um, the actual Hebrew for that is Barashit bara Elohim. Elohim, im is plural. Elo um, is is God, but it's in the singular, direct. So it's it's a direct object, plural, which is very mm. odd. Oh, meaning mm. that it's 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 talking to a singular but plural object. Um, Elohim, it's a plural name for God. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's actually when, when you see um, um, when Adam and Eve fall, they say, um, "Well, we need to guard up the garden, or else they will become like us." Right there, there is a. It's God speaking to the internal relation character of Himself. Um, so, anyways, that, that that's something for another time. Of course. Um, the Trinity is not, I, I, I wouldn't say it's easy to explain, but it's certainly, we're not polytheistic. Um, but fundamentally though, the character of the God we serve, the ontology of the God we serve, the mission of the God we serve, and the teaching and expectations of the God we serve are vastly are different. fundamentally different. Vastly different. So that's why when, it, when it's like, hey man, like, you know, I don't, can I know what you were saying when you said, you know, that comment, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what you meant it's like, hey, well, we need to clarify that though, because it's and it, it's important. We don't to worship the same God, you know. Yeah. We fundamentally do not. And just like Jesus said, if you know me, you know my Father. If you don't know me, you don't know my Father. So, um, what are they worshiping? Yeah, you know. Um, I yeah. So I I truly appreciate the um, one bringing up to me that that I did have that misconception. Actually, Selena and I both shared that misconception. Yeah, we that's both what like, I learned in yeah. world religion. Yeah. We were both like, oh, wait, I thought that was a thing. And so now after this conversation, it's like, okay, one, I have a much more in-depth understanding of um, well, how they how they interpret God and how we inter- interpret God and why it why it is different, why mm-hmm. the, the God they worship is different. But then also your experiences um, overseas of trying to communicate and teach that to the Muslims that were there, like that was an awesome uh, example no, I, as well. I have such a heart for, for Muslims. I really do. Um, you know, me and Trisha have even talked about full-time ministry going, even being missionaries over there at some point, um, returning there. Cause 
I really do love those people. And, um, I don't want to, I don't, I know we need to end this, but mm-hmm. just pray for the, for them because, yeah. um, much of where they're wrapped up in, there's only one way. Like one of the things that they kept saying to me, like, how can you believe in Christianity where the Quran says this, it says it right here. Like the, the mules, like it says it right here. Cause in their culture, there is no challenge to the authority of the Quran at all. So I'm like, I know what that says. But what I'm saying is the Bible says this, and this is what I believe. There's no challenge, right? So any like, de- like deviation from the Quran to them is just, it is completely outside the way they were raised and what they believe. And you know what I mean? It, yeah. it is a hard wall to, to pull through. And yet the reason you see people succumbing to um, radical um, Islam is because they have this desire for redemption. And, you know, a lot of those guys are like, man, I've done some so many bad things. I know I do more bad things than I do good things. And I can never outpace that. And so now your only option so, is. W- let me go die for Allah. Put the put the vest on me. I'll go blow myself up. You know what I'm saying? I know it sounds really <laughs> like I'm defending the suicide bomber. But just understand why they're doing it. Is That's actually a zealous outworking from a... A, a just this deep desire and longing for redemption that they don't have. They do not have that there. It's just, mm-hmm. it's unknown to them. Those are one of the only sure ways to get it. And um, so just pray for them and that, that they, that you're actually able to, um, that we're able to, to break down those walls and, and bring more in. And they are, yeah. you know, d- during ISIS, many came to the faith in that time and, God's working there, you know, but just, just pray. So thank you so much, Ryan and, uh, and Selena. Yeah. Great conversations. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for joining us today for this episode of real Bible stories. And it's been real, real awesome. So I hope you'll tune in next week uh, to join us for the next episode. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to real Bible stories. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to be notified each week when we upload new episodes. Real Bible Stories is produced in part by Palms Church in 29 Palms, California. If you would like more information or want to check out archived sermons and Bible studies, please check out the church website at palmsbaptistchurch.com or check them out on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Real Bible Stories can be found wherever podcasts are found. Thank you again, and we will see you next week.